What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Uh, this is Matt Arthurs with the Sticky Situations podcast. Tonight, I have a good friend, um, more fellow thrasher. Um, his name is Felix. I actually don't even know your last name. Noy. N-O-Y. N-O-Y. All right. He's agreed to have a thoughtful discussion. If you're new to the podcast, um, basically, we're just here to talk about um, thoughtful struggles that we've kind of overcome in our life and maybe currently going through and just ways to help add years to your life. But really, we're just um, having fun and trying to throw in some um, knowledge and um, stuff we've learned. Um, but uh, Felix, would you like to share a little bit about your story? Well, it depends on what you want to know. <laughs> grew up in Indiana, Pennsylvania, born and raised. My parents moved here from Africa. My dad was a refugee from Angola. Met my mom in Botswana. They met a, a couple that were serving in the Peace Corps for two years in Botswana. And uh, the male counterpart of the couple was teaching my dad English for two years. They became good friends. and. My dad wanted to start a new life, and so he asked them if they could help them start a new life somehow. So they contacted their home church, which is Greystone Presbyterian Church back in the 70s. And Greystone agreed to sponsor my parents and paid for their plane ticket to fly here, help them find a place to stay, and the rest is history. Wow. Boy, that's awesome. Um, So have you had, like, any—I know talking to you from the skate park— feel like you've had some near-death experiences before? Yeah, absolutely. Is there any you want to talk about? Yeah, I mean, I was in college, and I was trying to learn how to do, I guess this is a, a snowboarding near-death thing that happened. I was trying to learn how to do uh, corked fives, cork 540s, cork backside 540s, and I'd been trying them and trying them and trying them. My friend Hunter Frucci was teaching me how to do them, and... Uh, and I wasn't able to clear the jump. And so I kept thinking I needed more speed, but it was more of my techniques. I was just carving too hard into the jump. So I pretty much bombed from the top of the hill. I was at Ski Sawmill and uh, out near Lock Haven University, real small place They had like one ski lift, like one or two, I forget, tiny, they had one jump. So I told my friend, I was like, dude, this is gonna be our last, this is my last attempt because he just kept recording and recording and I said okay last one last one and uh so that was the last thing I remembered and then the next thing I remembered is uh I woke up on a table on on my back and these ski patrollers were just like what's your name do you know where you are do you know what day of the week it is and I thought why are you asking me all these dumb questions like of course I know all these things like where am I you know there's like do you remember what just happened I was like what happened what do you talk about who are you people like, do you remember riding down here on your board? I was like, no. Like, what do you mean, riding down? How'd I get here? They said, you rode down. Oh, so, man. So then they told me what happened. Apparently, I tried doing this corked five, and I really sent it because I bombed from the top of the hill because I thought I just needed more speed to clear the, clear the knuckle. Mm. And uh, they said I got about as high as the, the bottom of the chairlift, the people that saw it. Oh my! And uh, they said I hit the ground. I smacked my head really, really hard, and they said I started the seizure and I started shaking violently and convulsing. Oh, so man. they called ski patrol, and by the time ski patrol got there, I was conscious. Conscious. 
and they asked me if I wanted to ride down on a sled or you know, hop on my board and ride down. I said, I'll just ride my board. Mm-hmm. And so I rode behind the <laughs> I rode behind <laughs> the ski patrollers down to the thing. And they laid me down, and none of that, I don't remember any of it. Mm-hmm. So and they said that they were afraid that I may have a subdural hematoma. And this was right, right around this time where, I forget what her name was. It was a famous, there was a celebrity that had fell skiing. Not Sonny Bono. It was this lady. Wasn't it Liam Neeson's wife? Yeah, that, oh, that's yeah. who it was. Yeah. Okay, yeah, she I fell, remember that. She hit her head, and she went home and like went to sleep and never woke up. And oh, my gosh. Because she had a subdural hematoma, which is bleeding in the brain. Yeah. And uh, so they, this was fresh on the heels of that event. Mm-hmm. And so they were all of a sudden, they hear this noise. It's like... I'm just like... Oh, that sounds like a helicopter. Whoa, who's that for? It's like, oh, that's for you. I was like, I don't, I don't need a helicopter. Like, I'm fine. They're like, no, 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 no. Didn't you hear about what just happened to Liam, Liam Neeson's wife? I'm just like, no. And they told me, and, and they're just like, yeah, you might have a subdural hematoma. So we're going to fly you out to Geisinger to get you x-rayed and you know, whatever they got to do. And So they ran a bunch of tests, and I didn't have any bleeding on the brain. I just had a severe, severe concussion. And Ooh. Yeah, they said I, I should have died. Like, everyone, my friends that saw the fall were just like, bro, we thought you were dead. Yeah. Like, you slammed so hard to flat. Did you keep the footage of it? I don't is know it? where it is. Somebody has it somewhere. Uh, yeah. I have no idea where it might be on is. YouTube. <laughs> it might be. That's scary, though. Like, <laughs> yeah. I feel like after that thing with uh, Liam Neeson's wife, everyone was, like, wearing helmets. Like, helmets became, like, this big thing. Yeah. But I think even she was wearing a helmet, and it was on the bunny slope how yeah. she fell, and it yeah. was just she hit it in the wrong place. Some mm-hmm. people just aren't, aren't built for it, maybe. Right. And she never even lost consciousness, either. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, head's nothing to mess around with. No, nothing at all. So have you any, had any other, like, injuries or broken bones from the these extreme sports? Yeah, I mean, let's see. Uh, well, <laughs> every, just about every year. I, I, always, I feel like I'm cursing myself when I say this. There's this thing up at Seven Springs called the Mashed Potato Meltdown, and uh, it's the last hurrah of the season. They build a bunch of jumps, a bunch of park features, and... People just go ham, you know. People throw hammers, <laughs> and people throw in like double corks and stuff. And so, three years ago, I went, and they didn't really do a good job of building these jumps. It's just like everyone was wondering what what they were thinking because it just looked like they just took a big mound of snow, threw it together, and just kind of like had people send it. And so many people were getting. Uh, pulled off the mountain by the by the ambulance and taken out by ski patrol. And I thought, man, why is everyone getting hurt? And it's because the jump was just so sketchy. They didn't have a, a proper lip. They didn't cut it properly. And it was just kind of like you didn't know where to hit it because it was just a huge mound of snow. And uh, Getting kind of like, was it like a sheet of ice too or the conditions were all right? Yeah, I mean, the, it's mashed potato meltdown, so everything is like mashed potatoes, you know. Yeah. It's kind of wet and sloppy. And oh, yeah. So I, I was trying to clear the bigger part of the jump. And I was trying to do a couple like speed checks just because I wanted to backflip it. So I thought, okay, if I can clear clear the, the knuckle-ish thing, because it wasn't really a knuckle, it was just kind of like a shelf that you had to clear. And some people were clearing it, and other people were landing on it. It was like this flat sort of shelf thing, and it wasn't the flat, because then there would be another downslope after that. But the people that couldn't clear it would kind of land on that shelf, and they'd just get rocked. And uh, So I, once I made sure that I could clear that, I thought, okay, I can backflip this. So I came down, I was flying, I was 
cruising because you had to book it. Like you couldn't, you you couldn't speed check at all. You had to hit it full tilt. And right as I was coming up to take off the lip, my board turned. Like I hit like a little tift of snow, and it just turned my board right at the last second. There's mm-hmm. nothing I could do about it, and so it threw me off kilter. And I was going head first, like head over. Like I was turned 90 degrees. And I was gonna land right on my head. The, the, the trajectory of it was like perfect that I would've just head dived right mm-hmm. onto the snow. So I kept telling myself, okay, tuck in your chin, like just try to tuck in, try to tuck in. And that was my last thought. And then the next thing, I wake up, ski patrol's <laughs> pulling me down the hill, my hip hurt really bad. Oh man. And they're just like, do you want us to call an ambulance? I'm like, no, 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 I just drive home. But I couldn't walk. Mm-hmm. So I had to call my pastor, Judah Thomas and his wife, and they came all the way up from Indiana, PA. They drove my car back from Seven Springs to Indiana. They prayed for me and everything, and and I thought I thought I shattered my hip, you know. I think it dislocated or something. It turned out that I did fracture it a little bit, and I had a had a severe concussion, and uh, also had a uh, pulmonary contusion, which is like a bruised lung because I was coughing up blood for a couple oh of days. And I honestly I didn't go to the hospital for like this happened on a Saturday. I didn't go to the hospital until. Monday afternoon, because I got to work and I was still coughing up blood. And my my buddy, I told him, he's like, "Hey, how long how long should I how long should I wait till I go to the hospital from coughing up blood?" And he's just like, "Well, what happened?" I told him. He's like, "Are you coughing up blood now?" So I was like, "Yeah." He's just like, "You need to go to the hospital now, Felix. Like you're crazy. Mm-hmm. You could be like your lungs could be filling, you know." So I went to Indiana Hospital, and the doctor is just like, "I don't I don't recommend anybody go to Indiana Hospital if it's if you value your health." The doctor, I told him what had happened, I had a snowboarding accident, and he comes back by saying, oh yeah, we did your x-rays, and we see this lesion on your lung, and it looks like you either have HIV or tuberculosis. Oh my god. And so we're going to do a blood test. And I'm like, what the heck are you talking about, dude? Like, I had a severe, like, trauma from snowboarding. We talk about HIV and tuberculosis, and he starts asking me all these questions, like, have you been to this country or that country exposed to anyone with tuberculosis? I'm like, I don't know, like, I'm from America. And he's just like... Do you have unprotected sex with men regularly? I'm just like, no, I never have. I'm just like, why are you asking me these questions? No, I wrecked my board. Right, and like, I just like, I wrecked my snowboard, man. Like, who is? And then this other doctor comes in, this Indian dude who's actually a real doctor, and he apologized on behalf of the other one. He's like, I have no idea what the other guy was even asking you. I have no idea why these things are on your chart. The fact of the matter is you had a severe trauma from a fall, and all these symptoms you're having are, are a direct result from that and we need to get you to a more suitable hospital so they took me to Allegheny General in Pittsburgh and within a couple of minutes they told me oh yeah you had a pulmonary contusion severe concussion and a fractured hip from the, from the trauma and the reason why you're coughing up blood is because sometimes we have these like sacs in our lungs that like from like pollution that we breathe in and since I do masonry work I breathe in a lot of dust and in order to protect my lungs they form these sacs around all the dust and when you have a, a blunt force trauma to your chest, you can break those sacs, and it's filled with, like, blood and pus. And so all the stuff I was coughing up, it wasn't anything dangerous. Mm. It was just me coughing up stuff that had probably been there for years. I just mm. never knew it. And mm. they're just like, oh, yeah, you're fine. Yeah, you'll be okay. And wow. uh, so they told me within a couple of minutes, and I was just like, wow. I'm surprised Indiana couldn't have done that. Mm. So, yeah, that was another story. Yeah. Pretty crazy. Yeah, I've always heard not to go to Indiana for anything. Yeah, <laughs> really, like, anyone that hears this, don't go to Indiana Hospital for anything. They they will get it wrong most times. Mm-hmm. Facts. Wow. So that's a 
Wow, that's intense. How, so did, how long did it take for you to like recover from that? Well, my hip still gives me, still gives me trouble to this day. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just, the only thing that makes my hip feel good is actually skating. Mm-hmm. It feels great when I skate. Mm-hmm. And then when I'm walking around or doing like mundane things, it hurts a lot. But when I'm skating or snowboarding, I don't feel anything at all. Yeah. So that's just a sign to me to keep keep shredding, man. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah, absolutely, dude. It's, it's like therapeutic now. <laughs> Have a reason to skate. That's awesome. And and I, you seem like you're a big believer of uh, not going to doctors. Right? Oh yeah, not at just all. Like you have to literally see like the bone sticking out before yeah. you go. Yeah, literally, literally. And because every time I've gone, they've never done anything like. Most times I've gone to the hospital, at least in Indiana, they've, I've been treated, I've been like belittled for even coming in because mm-hmm. um, the particular event that I told you about, the doctor was just like, well, what were you doing? I said, well, I was snowboarding. What do you mean you're snowboarding? It's April because it was like April 20th. Uh-huh. And I was just like, well, there's this thing called Masquerade Meltdown in Seven Springs and it's like really warm conditions and they do it every year. It's like a spring thing. Jed like, well, that just sounds crazy. Well, why, why did you fall? I said, well, I went off a jump. I was trying to do a backflip. Why would you try to do a backflip? And, oh and the lady was talking to me in that tone, man. Like, mm-hmm. I was blown away. I thought, I, like, who gave you the right to, like, yeah. institute the Spanish Inquisition all of a sudden? Like, mm-hmm. I'm here asking for help for my pain, and you're, like, rebuking me for doing something that I love that you don't understand, nor like, would you ever be able to do because, you know, mm-hmm. not in physical shape to do it mm-hmm. and like I didn't know what to say to her it's just like why do I have to answer this barrage of questions like did she not believe me did she think I was just making it up I don't know yeah. I feel like you get that like around here with people just uh it's almost like an anti-human thing like they just think like there's only one way there's only one answer and one way to live and if right. if you're doing something other than the one way that they think is the way to live then you're like the devil or something <laughs> right right it really it's something like that man it's yeah and it I mean it happened it happened to me again this past year i injured my shoulder i just learned how to do backflips on a uh on a vert wall i had snow snowboarding at seven springs same thing mash pit and meltdown and all these kids we were just all learning how to do backflips like we were just for the first time skiers snowboarders we're all just trying like hey let's just see if we can land backflips and i learned them Mm-hmm. So I thought, I'm going to try to do a front flip because I'd seen these videos where these guys do like these nollie flips on a vert wall and they kind of like Ooh. pushes out. They kind of like nollie flip and like push their hand down and they kind of mm-hmm. come back out. So I thought, I'm going to do that. So I came <laughs> cooking down the vert wall and I went to do the nollie flip. And when I went to press down, my, bo- my nose slipped out and I shoulder checked oh. the, uh, the vert wall like really hard. It's... It, Imagine just running as fast as you can, lowering your shoulder, and just running into, like, a wedge. Oh, yeah. Or, like, a wall. Just shoulder-checking a wall as fast as you can. I thought I shattered... I thought I shattered everything in my, my soul, dude. Like, oh, man. It hurts so bad. And, uh, once again, went to Indiana the hospital. They did x-rays. They're like, oh, we don't see anything wrong. If you look at my shoulder to this day, my right shoulder is lower. And you can see, like... I'm mm-hmm. to show you. Hmm. See that right there? Yeah. See how that's sticking up? Oh, man. Is it? That's, how, that's, that's not how like a collar. You didn't break a collarbone, did you? It, it looks kind of like a collarbone break. It's not the collarbone break. It's like this joint. I think it's the CV joint. My mm-hmm. buddy, Dr. Bozowski, said, oh, yeah, I think your CV joint is like something. 
So my shoulder's like lower, and that's what it looks like now, ever since that, because that's what, what hit. And oh, this God. thing just like dropped down. Mm. If you look at this shoulder, it doesn't, doesn't do that. Mm. Completely different. Wow. <laughs> you see, it's crazy, dude. Indiana Hospital, they mm. x-rayed it. Oh, uh, no, your shoulder's fine. Like, there's nothing wrong here. I'm like, it's literally lower than this one, and it hurts like Goliath. Like, what are you doing? Mm. So, you know, I'll never know. I mean, I never got, like, never needed surgery or whatever. It works perfectly fine now. And yeah. It was sore for a couple of months, but, mm-hmm. you know, I'll get it this year. I'm going to try it again. Nice. That's good. Never, <laughs> That's give, right. never give up. Never, ever. Uh-uh. Well, I know... Um, one of the someone told me like if you just by hanging from like um, a pull-up bar can actually help stretch out your shoulders and stuff too like okay. it's like a, actually one of the best exercises to like help rehabilitate your shoulder so oh, wow. you know if you need to like that that should help just hanging from a pull-up bar every once in a while if it feels like tight and I know there's something in my shoulder that pops when I hang from a pull-up bar it really um, loosens up a good bit Oh, wow. But as long as something, you know, <coughs> isn't, like, completely torn off, then yeah. it, it might might just, like, kind of stretch out, kind of break up some of that, like, that scar tissue and stuff, too. Yeah. I'll, I'll try that out. Yeah. I, mean, I don't have a pull-up bar anywhere, but, you know, the ROTC place has got pull-up bars, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've actually thought about just going there and just working out, climbing a rope and doing pull-ups every morning, but... Have yet to do it yet. (laughs) Do you do you work out at the gym or anything? Nah, the only kind of physical exercise that I do from time to time is push ups. Mm -hmm. And uh, whenever I get real inspired, I go through these seasons where I'll like do fifty push ups every, you know, like every day or like in like sets of fifty, and Mm -hmm. just to make sure I still can, you know. Yeah. And uh, that's about it, man. I'm not Mm -hmm. really a fan of like gym working out. Right. I'm more of like a practical sort of thing mm-hmm. right now I do masonry work so I pretty much get paid to work out because I'm just lifting block all day schlepping them around so mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah it's a good I mean it's, it's better to do stuff on your feet that's a, I could never like settle for like a sit down job yeah um, but that's how I'm kind of I like the gym but I was always more into like the body weight fitness and that always inspired me but then I kind of opened up and tried try other stuff but I just like moving and and kind of beating my body up in different ways you know okay it, okay feeling as much pain as I can hey there you go there you go <laughs> no pain no gain right yeah <laughs> how about any uh are you into parkour honestly I used to be in college my buddy and I were into it before it was popular and people mm-hmm. thought we were real stupid because we'd like run around campus jumping over stuff and be like what are you doing that's dumb that's gay blah 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 <laughs> and like now it's like the biggest thing in the world you know mm-hmm. so we used to do all sorts of stuff we'd climb on top of buildings jump off of stuff just mm-hmm. it was just weird to people like why would you want to climb on top of a building and like jump from one roof to another or like climb up balconies and weird things like that yeah so I, I kind of like the parkour around work sometimes like mm-hmm. whenever we build a wall up I'll jump from the top of the wall down into the foundation and do like a monkey roll and nice. all the other guys are they're just like why do you do that you're gonna get hurt I'm just like no I'm not because I know how to fall right you know mm-hmm. it's like you would probably get hurt if you tried it but, uh, but I'm not gonna get hurt that's so yeah, it but definitely I respect parkour mm-hmm. absolutely well I just found this out uh, yes, yesterday that it was actually derived from French military obstacle course training, Whoa. which, I th- and it's also cool that like all sports kind of 
originated from like uh, they were just practicing for like warfare like that's where a lot of sports like they were just like getting those skills that would help them for like war and stuff yeah like yeah. I'm not really big into like most organized sports but I, th- I think it's cool how that like how it all started was just to get good at killing things <laughs> that's, that's pretty nifty hmm. definitely um well, do you have any like other uh like close calls or or struggles that you feel like you don't want to mention man i've had like so many mm-hmm. um actually like i'm a i'm a pretty pretty on fire christian and uh i I grew up in a church and things like that, and I walked away from it in college, got into, like, a lot of hallucinogenic drugs, and I went to Costa Rica. I'd, like, go out and trip on mushrooms every weekend because they grew naturally there, and mm. it wasn't wasn't illegal. It was only illegal to sell them, but you could, like, eat as many as you want. And mm-hmm. I got real big into hallucinogenics and stuff and just kind of, like, walked away from my faith. So I just wanted to explore other things, you know? Mm-hmm. I wanted to be, like, what else is out there? Mm-hmm. And I went down to some uh, interesting, dark places, and... Uh, mm. There's this one time we're in Costa Rica, and uh, I'd eaten. My friends kept telling, "I'm one of these dudes. I'm just like go big or go home. You know, for yeah. better or for worse. Like, if a little bit is good, then a lot of it is great. You know, mm-hmm. which doesn't work well with drugs and or other substances. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'd eaten way too many mushrooms. And uh, cause mm-hmm. the first time I tried it, I'd had just like a few. And. Uh, and it was just like a pleasant experience, you know. It honestly was, and I was like surprised by it. Were you like with other people oh, that yeah. were on it? Too? Yeah, I was with this bunch of Costa Ricans, and they told me like, "Hey, you know, just don't don't have too many because it can go south pretty quickly." <laughs> and uh, it did this particular day, and uh, I was like so far out of my mind that I I was riding on this bus. Well, first, uh, like literally, God spoke to me to keep me from doing the things that I was thinking because I was so far out of my mind. I thought everything that I thought was possible, mm. and we had to cross this highway once. And uh, I thought that I could just jump across the highway like completely, like jump over all these cars that were just racing. <laughs> and I heard this voice say, "Felix, if you do that, you will die. You can't wow. jump, and don't trust your thoughts. They're not. They're not real." Mm. And it scared me. Because up until that point, I had nothing challenging what I was thinking to like tell me that my reality wasn't reality, mm-hmm. and uh, so uh, then I got scared and like everything went south because I realized whoa, something supernatural is happening here. Like I heard this voice tell me not to do this, and I feel like it's God, and I felt real convicted about it. So uh, finally, we made it across the highway. Then we had to cross the highway again because we weren't supposed to be on that side, and then get on the bus and. Um, they have these big windows that you can slide the entire window open, kind of like a Greyhound bus, mm. but you can slide the whole window open. Like like, emer- like part of the emergency exit? I, or? I don't know what it was, but all the windows open like the entire way, the big glass panels, and I thought that I mm. could just like slip out the window and just kind of float beside mm-hmm. the bus, because I was like sticking my <laughs> hand out the window. You know how when you stick your hand out the window, it kind of floats? Yeah. And my, I remember the thought process. I thought, whoa, if my hand can float, then my whole body can float. And like I started like sticking my head out the window. And the same thing, that voice came back. It's like, Felix, don't do this. If you do it, you will die. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa. And uh, I told my friend about what I was thinking, and uh, he hey. said, hey. And, uh, yeah, you too. <laughs> and uh, told my friend what I was thinking, and and he he knew he was a studied psychology and 
and he knew what to tell me to get me out of my thoughts and so he did and it wasn't an issue anymore he just like talked me out of it he was like what window and I forgot about the window like that's all he told me is like what window and that was it and so he he saved my life man he really did because I thought like I'm gonna do this Mm. and so like that was like two instances there and uh, and then again we were gonna get into this taxi cab that same night and uh, the same voice came back and said, don't get in that taxi. Because in Costa Rica, in San Jose, it is so dangerous. So, so dangerous. During the day or during the night. There's never a safe time in San Jose. And uh, you can get mugged right in front of police officers. They won't do anything. Wow. <coughs> so I remember, remember this, this taxi cab driver. He's like, hey, hey, you guys need a ride. Because we just got back in the city. He's like, come with me, come with me. And we start walking down this dark alley. And that voice is like, Felix, don't go with him. Like, tell your friends, don't go with him. Don't go with him. It's a trap. And so I was just like, all right. We're not. I said, guys, turn around. Get away. Like, get away from that guy. Come back this way. Come back this way. And I, and I couldn't explain to them why I was telling them what I was, what I was telling them. Because what I'm going to say, this voice told me not to get in that car, not to follow that guy down this dark alley to get into his supposed taxi that was back there. And uh, but they finally listened to me because I like compelled them. I like freaked out. I was like, "Well, we gotta get a different one." You weren't tripping but, at this point, were you? No, I was still oh, tripping. Oh, you still. Yeah. This was still in like I was the still same tripping. day. Yeah, almost. same day. Like cause right <laughs> after we got off the bus, after I had the one thing, because I had, I was I was tripping hardcore for like hours and hours and hours. But this voice that I kept hearing, like literally, saved my life three times that night. Wow. And I think saved all of my friends too. And uh, I don't know if that guy was gonna like kill us and take all of our money I don't know but it was so like I can't explain to you how this thing just like it was like a hot knife through butter it cut through all the through my own conscience it cut through like the the drugged state that I was in and just like Felix don't do it like like shook me to my core mm-hmm. and I just knew that I knew that I knew that if we were to do this terrible things were gonna happen to us and I had had several friends in San Jose get held up by gunpoint one kid got held up the first day of school. They, he got robbed for his shoes. A car pulled up. These guys pointed guns at him, said, take off your shoes. They took off, they t- took his shoes. Mm-hmm. Just crazy stuff happens there. Wow. And so, like, we were, we were protected. Hmm. And uh, we had a taxi. This is a completely different event. Um, this taxi cab driver was mad. No. Sometimes in San Jose, the taxi cab drivers will try to, like, if they think you're, you're like, this ignorant American who doesn't know Spanish, if they think you don't know your way around the city, they'll just drive all around and to, like, run up the meter. And we'd been, we knew where the bus station was, we knew how long it would take, and we were just like, hey, we, need, we want to go to the bus station. And he was taking us roundabout way. We said, hey, we know what you're doing. We spoke to him in Spanish, and he was, like, surprised, because he didn't think we knew Spanish. And we said, we know, where the, we know this isn't where the bus station is. Take us back to the right direction. It was really, really late at night. Mm. And he's just like, I am taking, I am taking, I have to go this way because this, that, and the other. We're like, no, 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 like, you have to get, you're going the complete opposite direction. And we got into this argument. And so, finally, we're just like, okay, stop the taxi, we're getting out. And then he got really mad, and he kept driving. And he wouldn't, he wouldn't let us get out. And he literally, he stopped in the middle of this road. I remember I threw my money at him, I was so mad, I just whipped it at him. Mm-hmm. And I like, screamed at him, slammed the door, and he speeds off. And we look around us, dude. It's like three in the morning in this middle of San Jose. And there are like the most cracked out people all around us. There's a guy picking up a huge piece of concrete, slamming it down in the middle of the road over and over and over. It was like being in a bad movie. This other dude was like screaming, smacking his head off the side of a building over and over. Like this headbutting a building. Huh. And people were just pacing around. It was like being in, in a zombie apocalypse. It's a nightmare. So it was <laughs> literally, dude. So we, we walked... 
we didn't make any eye contact. We just kept walking like we knew where we were. We didn't know where we were. We just walked as if we did past these people. And uh, we see a cop way up ahead. Mm-hmm. And we're just like, okay, we'll get to that cop and we'll be safe. And we get to the cop and we say, hey, man, we're looking for the bus station. He looks at us. His eyes go so wide, man. He looks like, he looks at us as if to say, what on earth are you doing here? And he says that. He says, like, why are you guys here right now? Like, you shouldn't be on this street. This is literally the worst street of San Jose. What are you doing here? So we told him about the, the taxi cab driver that dropped us off there. And mm-hmm. he said, oh, I know why he did that. Because he, he did that to get back at you. Because you guys knew what he was doing. And so he knew to drop you off in the street because he wanted you to get mugged. And that was his way of like trying to like take revenge on you guys leaving his taxi. And we're just like, oh, crap. And he said, literally, the bus station is like several blocks the complete opposite direction. You have to go back through all that where you just came from, past all the crazy people. So we said to him, and we said, well, will you come with us? Because he had like a motorbike. He's like, no. I was like, no way. I would never go through there. He, wow. said, he, said, he said, not even police officers will go through there. Why? He said, I will stay here and I'll watch. And if something happens, I'll call. I'll call for help to go, to go rescue you guys. He's like, I'm not going. And oh so God. when we knew that he wouldn't go, we're just like, we're done, you know? It's like me and these two, like this one kid, he's from Denmark. He had blonde hair. This other dude, he's from Michigan, Alex. Two white dudes and his friend. I think me being black might have saved them. Because, yeah. like, <laughs> maybe, maybe the crazed people thought, like, I was more dangerous than they were. Because in Costa Rica, there's a lot of racism. And they see black people as dangerous. So I think I may have been their saving grace, all of our saving graces. Mm. And uh, we literally walked for several blocks. And these people, like, they were, like, tapping each other, pointing at us. Like, hey, 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 look, there's those guys. And they're, like, whistling at us. They're crossing the street. They're, like trying to intercept us or trying to get us to stop and all these things grabbing at our clothes and I'm just man I'm praying hard I'm like God I don't want to die today like I don't want to die I don't get shot up I don't want to get my head smashed or whatever because these people they had nothing to live for they had everything to gain and nothing to lose and we knew it and they knew it and the the cop knew it so I mean we walked past all these people none of them mugged us none of them took anything we were scared like all of us we were just terrified just walking and there's no there's no taxis go through that area no buses go through that area finally made it back to the bus station we caught the last bus back to heredia and we were just like so thankful we're just like guys i can't believe we made it through that like how did we make it through that you know we talked about it for days we told our teacher about it at school and she's like what street was it we told her the street and she's like i can't believe you guys survived wow she was survived she was surprised yeah so that was another Wow. Another thing. That's, wow, thanks for sharing that. That's literally, like, <laughs> nah, insane. That, I wish I could say us making it up, dude, that, but. That takes, like, sticky situations to, like, yeah. a whole new level. <laughs> like, uh, that's a, that's one of the. Say. That's one that's, big sticky situation. That's going to be hard to, uh, to top off. So is it, like, a lot of, like, gang activity? No. To, or, like, it's just, just, like, homeless? Homelessness, drug addicts, people that have nothing to lose. Mm. And uh, the, the police are real corrupt there. Like, mm. most people don't carry weapons. Mm. Like, because it's a, it's a, they're the only country that doesn't have a, a military. Okay. So the police are the only form of, like, military force. But they don't really do anything. Yeah. Because like, they don't get paid much. So they really don't want to intervene in anything. Unless it's, like, absolutely, absolutely necessary. Like, mm-hmm. which in most of their, most of the time, it's never necessary to intervene. So people just fend for themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they do whatever they can with whatever they got. And here's a, uh, I'll, I'll tell you a story about this. 
I feel like all my sticky situations are in Costa Rica. Yeah. So I was on my way to school. I was riding my skateboard down the street, had my guitar. I was going to go jam with my friends. And uh, I come down to this bank, and every Friday is like payday. And at the banks down there, they have these, these hired guards that hold AK-47s while people take out their money and deposit their checks. And this line is super long. Like, I don't know how to describe how long it is. Like, maybe like half a block long, a block, depending on the time of day. And, uh... And I was really, at this point, I was really used to, like, people's, like, racist comments toward me and stuff. So, like, at this point, I hear these people saying, Agarelo, agarelo, like, get him, get him. I'm thinking, ah, like, what did I do now? I didn't do anything. Like, who's, why are they coming after me? And they're screaming in my direction. There's all this commotion. I'm just like, I'm like, go to raise my hands. Like, ah, I didn't do anything. And I see, like, this dude walks past me. I look at him, and he looks at me. And I realize the dude walking, he's this Costa Rican guy. You know, I just look like a regular Costa Rican. They're kind of light-complected. And, um, and he looks at me, and I realized, I was like, oh, that's the guy. And the, the people were yelling at me to grab that guy. But I had my guitar in one hand, and my, my skateboard is under my feet. And I thought, how am I going to grab him? And then he takes off running. And I thought, I thought for a couple of seconds, I thought, okay, I could drop my guitar here. If I drop it, I'm going to lose it. I'm never going to get it back, so I'm going to steal it. And I could grab this guy. I don't know what he did or what's going on, but everyone's screaming for me to get him. And I was the closest one to this dude. And he's he's a bigger dude, you know. He's bigger than me. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big guy. I'm like five four, 120 pounds, you know, 125 on a soaking wet day. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden, there's like three or four guys that go racing past me, and uh, they all start booking. And so I thought, okay, I'm gonna run with them. So I'm running with my guitar up the street. I'm a skateboard. I don't know what I'm gonna do if I catch up to this guy. They've got like half a block ahead of me. I turn the corner, make a left, going up this hill, and I get. And I get to, there's like this crowd of people standing, and there's a guy lying on the ground, and one of the bouncers for this one bar that's across the street, um, he's this real big black dude, nicest guy in the world, but he's like huge, you know, like the guy from Green Mile, kind of. Okay. And he was on top of this dude. His, his fists were like two of mine put together. And <laughs> he was punching this guy in the face, like, boom, he had his knee on his back, and was just socking him, boom, 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 left and right, and the dude was smiling. The guy that was getting punched had a big grin on his face, and he was getting pummeled. I thought, dude, this guy's on something strong because yeah. he's getting rocked. And huh. in his other hand, he had a knife. Mm-hmm. He had a blade in his hand, and they were trying to get him to like to release the blade, and they're like stepping on his hand, stepping on his hand. He wouldn't, he wouldn't release it. They finally kicked the knife out of his hand, and a knife spun across the ground, stopped at my feet. And everyone looked at me. I'm thinking, hey, no, I'm not with this guy. Like, I'm not, you know, don't, don't start beating me up. It's like, I'll put my foot on the blade, but I'm not, wow. I'm not that dude's friend. Because mm-hmm. they automatically think if you're black, you're a criminal. Mm-hmm. And I just, like, made it clear. No, 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 I'm just here to help. Mm-hmm. And so, so the guy's like, they're punching on us, dude. He's still smiling, smiling. And then they lift him up. They, they slam him up against the wall. And I'm thinking, whoa, this is, like, pretty intense. And then the guy breaks free. Mm-hmm. Takes off running. They grab him. They catch him. Slam him down again. They start punching him, punching him, punching him, slamming his head off the ground. He's still smiling. And there, by this time, there's like a bigger crowd that's gathering. And this girl comes up. She's like, "That's the guy. He stole my phone." And what had happened was, while this girl was in line waiting at the bank, this guy came up to her, put a knife to her neck, and said, "Give me your phone and your wallet." Mm-hmm. And no one around there stopped him. Like, there's hundreds of people around, and no one, no one stopped him because he had a knife, and Costa Ricans don't carry weapons. They're very, like, don't involve me in this. So he just, like, took her stuff and casually walked away. And that's when I, I showed up, and that guy was walking past me, and they were telling me to grab him because he just stole this girl's phone and her wallet. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm kind of glad that I didn't because he could have just turned around and shanked me real quick because I didn't know he yeah. had a knife in his hand. Mm-hmm. 
And so that was the situation. And I learned that all like in hindsight. So they finally got her phone back and they got, they got the wallet back. And she like came over and like spit in his face and like slapped him really hard because they had him held down. And then this car pulls up. There's all these cars like rubbernecking. And this guy, he's like, he's like looking. <laughs> and, he, and he starts screaming in Spanish, that's the guy that robbed me two weeks ago. That's the guy that robbed me. He gets out of his car. He's like, he looks like someone who works in construction. Real short dude, <laughs> but he's like ripped. He's jacked. Yeah. He's all grimy. He's got his work boots on. Popeye or yeah, something. Yeah, it's like a little Popeye, a little, like, strong, like, you know, Latino <laughs> dude. Angry. And he runs up, man. He runs out of the car and boots this guy in the head as hard as he can, like, several times. Like, like his head was a soccer ball, bro. And I oh thought, this God. guy's head's going to explode like a watermelon. Mm-hmm. And he's just, like, booting him. He's like, that's what you get for stealing from me. Boom, kick him. Like, don't you ever steal from me. Mm-hmm. And so I felt bad because... Yeah, this guy was a thief. He robbed this girl, <laughs> robbed this other dude. But then I thought, I don't want to see someone die in front of me. Like, I know you can only take so many steel-toed boots to the head before you die. Yeah. And so I stepped in. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I was just like, hey, stop, stop, stop. Stop. And I was like, you can't do this. And then, like, everyone turned on me. They're just like, no, you don't understand. In this country, the police, they don't help anyone. They said the police will show up. They will arrest him. And in one hour, he'll be out of jail doing the same thing again. This is our form of justice here in this country. You cannot interfere or we'll beat you up. I was like, well, okay, all right. It's like, okay. <laughs> I was like, all right, I'm out. I was like, okay, whatever. And the dude, like, kept kicking him. Finally, the police show up. And the, and the cops are just like, hey, okay, stop. They try to get the guy to stop. And the guy's still kicking him, kicking him. And the dude, he finally stopped smiling. And, he, like, he went, looked like he went unconscious. And uh, the cops told the dude, I said, if you don't stop kicking him, we're going to take you to jail. And so the guy's just like, okay, okay, okay. Turns to walk in his car, runs back one more time, and boots him as hard as he can right in the face. And she's like, okay, okay, I'm done. I'm done. And so he gets in his car and he leaves. Mm. And, uh, and the, the dude, the bouncer, the big black dude, I saw him the next day. So it was a bar for, like, international students. And I says, dude, you're the one that, like, how did you catch that guy? And he said, yeah, I saw, I heard all the commotion. And, like, I was turning the corner, and I was just standing in front of the bar, and I knew that I was the closest one to get him. And I just ran up and grabbed him, slammed him on the ground, and just started just, like, punching mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. And he, he ended up breaking his hand. Wow. He punched him so hard he broke his hand. And oh he, said, he said he'll never intervene in another fight again because, you know, since he broke his hand, he had to take time off work. And, you know, yeah. no one ever, like, said thank you to him or anything like that. Like, mm-hmm. the girl didn't thank him for getting her wallet back or getting her phone back. Mm-hmm. And he just felt like, you know, next time I'm never going to intervene because, like, I yeah. felt like it was for nothing. Mm-hmm. I was like, no, nah, man, you did the right thing. Yeah, he you was did. the hero. Yeah, he really was the was. hero. Even was though he didn't get any credit, like, he was the hero. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, that was another. Well, they didn't kill that guy, did he? No, or no, he, was... he survived. The police picked him up. He, was, he had to have been on some serious drugs because he mm-hmm. got up and they mm-hmm. threw him in the back of a police car. And... He was feeling that yeah. for a while. <laughs> yeah, and everyone said, yeah. He will be released in a couple of days, but he will remember this beating. Mm-hmm. And it'll make him think twice the next time he tries to rob someone. Mm-hmm. So they said, that's how we do things around here. Because, like, the police won't do anything. I was mm-hmm. like, dang. Well, the skateboard makes a good weapon, too, yeah. sometimes. Yeah, yeah I thought Better about that. Better than hand-to-hand. Yeah, I wasn't trying to get involved. No way. So how long were, did you live in Costa Rica, would I, you say? I was there for a semester. Oh, just so. that this all happened, like, a short yeah. couple months. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that's really... Wow. Um, so what... Uh, are there any any other uh, situations you, you can think of, maybe, that, 
that. Yeah, I was in Spain, and I got me and my friends got beat up by a bunch of neo Nazis. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, pretty crazy. It was during the World Cup. I think it was in two thousand. See, when did I go to Spain? I think it was spring of two thousand five. I went to Spain or two thousand six. One of those years, whenever the World Cup was. And the Spain was in the semifinals this one day, and uh, my friends had warned me earlier that there were like some pretty radical neo Nazis in Madrid, mm. and like they were very, some of them were violent, some of them weren't. And uh, this particular day, we came across the violent ones, and mm. so we, I hung out with these dudes that would break dance all the time, and uh, we just four hours a day we would meet up, we'd break dance, we'd practice, we'd go to competitions. They were really, really good. They were teaching me how to break dance. Are you pretty good now? I used to be like mm-hmm. it's one of those things if you don't use it you lose it pretty quickly I mean for, for compared to what most people can do in Indiana I'm probably the best yeah but I know I'm not good because I know mm-hmm. what good looks like you know? yeah so uh, so anyway so I was, I was sitting there I was dancing it was toward the end of the evening we weren't watching a world cup there's this huge screen in this plaza de Colón where we would practice where people would gather to watch the world cup for free there's literally hundreds of thousands of people packed in the streets. And Spain had lost the semifinals. And uh, we didn't know. We didn't care. <coughs> and so what happens is, like, at the end of the night, we kind of, like, showcase what we've been practicing. So each person will kind of, like, put on the music. We'll step into the circle and, like, do our thing. So I was showcasing what I was doing. And uh, all of a sudden, this guy, like, I look up because I could feel someone standing in front of me. And there's this short, bald dude bloodshot eyes just standing like almost nose to nose to me reeked of alcohol looked pretty upset you know mm. and that's an understatement <laughs> and uh, he starts saying all this like racist stuff in Spanish he's like Man. why don't you go back to Africa because there's a lot of African I- immigrants that speak French mm. in, in Spain <clears throat> I look like one of them because most of them have like dreads and stuff from mm-hmm. like Mali and things like that Senegal and uh I wanted to say something really smart, like, actually, I'm not, a, I can't go back to Africa because I've never been there because I'm from America, and, yeah, I wanted mm-hmm. to be, like, really smart with him, yeah. but I could tell this wasn't, wasn't the kind of guy that wanted jokes, and this mm-hmm. wasn't not the time to, to joke about something, mm-hmm. so I just stared him in the eyes, like, I didn't, I never took my eyes off him, I didn't blink, because I thought, this is serious, I don't know what this dude wants, and all of a sudden, it, this girl comes up on his, uh, his right, my left, this short girl, short, pudgy girl, her whole head was shaved, and all she had was, like, bangs in the front. Then this real skinny kid comes up on his other side, um, my right, his left, and uh, he, they're all wearing, like, you know, punk rocker sort of clothes, and he's got weird-looking hair, too. And they start marching in place and doing, like, this chant to, like, Hitler and, like, doing, like, the Hitler salute and, like, talking about Franco and, like, Freaks. marching. And I'm just like, oh, my goodness, these are neo-Nazis. Like, whoa, what's going on here? <laughs> so all of a sudden I hear glass breaking behind me because all my friends disappeared when this guy showed up i hear glass breaking behind me i look back my friend diego he's latin american uh, another group of neo-nazis showed up and they they busted open a uh, like a 40 ounce bottle equivalent of a 40 ounce bottle over his head split his head open and so diego was like running for his life and so my other friends were like trying to protect diego because there's a lot of uh hostility toward latin americans and diego was from um I think the Dominican Republic originally and uh, so he was an easy target for the neo-nazis because he looked like a Latin American and so uh, he was running for his for his life my other friend was behind him as like a barrier they were all just running and so I, I was just like okay they're running I'm running and the neo-nazis were chasing him so I'm running behind his pack of neo-nazis and all of a sudden the dude in the back of the of the 
the pack of wolves turns around and just socks me in the face. Just sucker punches me so hard. I go down on the ground. I have no idea what hit me. And all of a sudden, I'm just like, whoa, 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 what's going on? And I'm on the ground. I sit up, and I just see a big black boot come swinging at my face. And boom, I get kicked in the head. And then Mm. down I go. And I just curled up in a fetal position and just got kicked and stomped for I don't know how long. Sometimes it's it's good to just pretend to yeah. be knocked out at right. that point. <laughs> I just like curled up so tight. I thought protect my neck, protect my face, protect my vital organs. Like these guys are vicious, and I had heard stories of what these guys do to people. They like carry around bats with with nails in them. They like they have like broken bottles of glass. They just they want to inflict as much pain and harm on people as possible. Mm. And because uh, there's there's two categories of neo Nazis in Spain. The ones with the red boots. Red is like they're out for blood. They love hurting people. And the ones with black boots. They're still like neo-Nazis, but they're not violent. Mm. And the black boot ones fight the ones with red boots. Mm. So there's like this weird sort of like clash. But I encountered the ones Seems with... Seems like a movie. I mean, not red boots, sorry, red laces. Black laces and red laces. All of them have black boots. Red laces are, are bad. Black laces are less bad. Mm. And uh, so the, the red laces... Like the Crips were, and Bloods yeah, are pretty, on them. Pretty much. <laughs> so they were kicking the crap out of me, and uh, finally it stopped. And uh, I... I slowly got up because I thought, like, okay. And meanwhile, I got to explain this. Like, there's thousands of people that are just walking past where, where we dance. Thousands, probably from, like, 10 feet away from me. Packed full of people. Just thousands of people walking super slow, just watching. And I'm screaming out, Ayuda! Ayuda! Ayuda me! Alguien ayuda me! Necesito ayuda! Like, help me, help me. Somebody help me. No one helps, you know. Because they're all just mad that, like, they lost football games. So they didn't care. So this stuff, like, happens all the time, too? Like, they're just, like, used to it? I guess, you know. I guess. I don't know. So I finally sit up, and then I see another black boot come swinging at my face. Boom, get kicked in the face again. Same thing. I go down, they start stomping and kicking. And I'm, like, crying out to God, like, God, I don't want to die here. Like, I don't want to die. Like, I've heard stories. I'm, like, waiting to get stabbed. I'm waiting for, like, a baseball bat to hit me. Like, I'm waiting for all these weapons, just, like, chains to start swinging at me. Like, I'm just waiting. But it was just, like, kicks and punches, and finally it stopped, and my friends came over to, like, hey, 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 it's okay, like, you're gonna be okay, like, we're here, and I, like, stood up, and I was screaming at everyone, like, I was like, F you, Spaniards, this country sucks, you guys could've helped me, and you just stood there and watched, shame on you, and, like, the police didn't help, and I was just, like, letting them have it, you know, because it was real quiet, you could hear, you could hear a pin drop, because they're all mad about their soccer game, mm. and, uh, so I just started crying, and then uh, my other friends, they came back. Diego was crying. His head was covered in blood. There was a kid that was skateboarding the whole time. Like, so there's these nice marble ledges where we were dancing. <laughs> real nice marble ledges right in front of this bank. And uh, they broke his skateboard over his face. Jeez. They hit him so hard. They shattered his They beat him up with his skateboard. Like, so bad. This kid was mutilated. Like, oh mutilated. They beat the crap out of him just because he was a skateboarder. Wow. And so this kid joined us, and he comes over, and we're all just in this huddle. We're crying, and we're just holding each other. And uh, Diego had to get staples in his head. And the guy that was running behind Diego, what they did to him is they, they sliced his Achilles tendon while he was running so he couldn't run. They sliced his Achilles tendon, beat the crap out of him. Wow. And so he was laid up in the hospital. And <sighs> later on, my friends told me, I said, like, why did you guys all leave when that guy showed up? And they said, didn't you see that he had that bottle in his hand? Like, he had a broken bottle in his hand, and he was ready to strike you with it. Like, we saw, we thought, like, why isn't he running away? Why is, they called me Happy Man, because they didn't know my name, and I was always, like, happy to, like, be there. 
how come he's not running away? And I was like, I didn't see the bottle. I was just looking into his eyes because he looked angry. He's like, no, he had this big bottle. He was going to smack you with it. Oh, my God. And so I'm sure if I would have seen that bottle, I'm not sure what I would have done. But he never, the dude that confronted me at first, he never hit me with it. Praise be to God, because I don't know what would have happened then. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they told me the whole, they said, like, that's what happened. They saw that guy show up. They just, they left. Then Diego got attacked, and they were trying to pre- protect Diego. And then the other dude had his Achilles tendon sliced by them, and mm-hmm. they beat the crap out of him. So, My gosh. Yeah, yeah how do you kind of, like, I mean, I guess you, stuff like that's hard to, I'm glad you can talk about it and yeah. like it's it's hard to shrug off I'm sure like as like how do you how did you kind of overcome that because I'm sure there's like times where you can get like PTSD from oh, yeah. those situations some people that can completely crush the rest of their life but I mean you right kind of have come come out of, on top too yeah I mean for me like I'm able to separate bad people from good people you know for the most part and I just realized like I just had an encounter with a bunch of bad people and yeah and up until that point, my experience in Spain was so good. Like you could walk around by yourself, like four in the morning, and feel safe because it's it's not a it's not a dangerous country at all. Madrid's not a dangerous city, and uh, so I this was a couple weeks before us to return back to America. And I said to them, I said I don't hate this country, man. You guys have been so good to me. You guys treated me like a family, mm-hmm. and uh, I can't wait to come back. Like I'm gonna miss you guys, and I really love. I miss I miss Madrid a lot, man. Mm-hmm. That's like my home away from home, and. And I would love to. I hope those guys are still break dancing. I'm sure they're all much, much older now. And mm-hmm. but uh, I wish I could go back and just be like, "Hey, man, you guys remember that one day? Like, let's just sit down and talk about it." You know. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's just like things happen, and you just have to separate mm-hmm. the bad from the good, and just realize, hey, that could that could happen anywhere. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, there's just that evil, evil people, I guess, or yeah, whatever you believe in too. Might be like people are just like controlled by this evil force that <laughs> yeah. just is out doing destruction, you know? Right. Absolutely. Wow. Um, yeah. And uh, a, they don't really have stuff like, I mean, there's neo-Nazis in America, but oh, I guess it's absolutely. like not like that maybe. You're right. It's not quite to the degree mm-hmm. in Spain. Like in Spain, the neo-Nazis there, they have their own section in the football stadiums, soccer stadiums as we call them, because they get so violent during games like they have their own section where they where they sit because they would just fight everyone they just they're so violent mm-hmm. and so like they have their own sp- special section and because they're just mm-hmm. out for blood they just like oh you don't like my team well we're gonna beat you up because mm-hmm. you know they just don't they're looking for reasons to, to hurt people wow the neo-nazis so mm. yeah um, that's that's insane um so uh, you've gotten like pretty lucky. Would would you say like? Would you say it's probably more than just luck, though? Do you feel like you yeah. believe in kind of like a destiny and like having a purpose? Or yeah, how I, would you I explain know one hundred percent that uh, I believe that God has a purpose for all of our lives, and I know He has a purpose for my life. And you now He doesn't necessarily protect keep things from happening to us, but you know He can protect us in the midst of it, or use it to like teach us something, or to give us compassion for other people that have gone through trauma. Mm-hmm. so we can be there for them in like a genuine way mm-hmm. and uh but I definitely like I give all all the credit to God and uh that he I know there's angels that protect people even even for people who don't believe in him we still have mm-hmm. protection because I believe God loves every single human being on the planet mm-hmm. and uh 
and the thing is like we all have free will and that's one of the the prices of free will is like people are are allowed to use their free will for not good things and and uh, god has to allow it and it's like it's one of those things i struggle with too because it's just like man because if i was god i wouldn't allow free will but then it's just mm-hmm. like then you'd have a bunch of robots and mm-hmm. you know and we wouldn't have love you know because love isn't forced it's mm-hmm. freely given so that's just part of this uh the delicate balance of the world we live in and, and i just know like hey like none of that was in vain maybe someone else will hear this who's been through severe trauma and they don't know how to get over it and where they feel like no one else knows what they've been through and that's just like well if you've ever been attacked by anyone or like in a crazy situation or a hopeless situation or terrified in a situation you know for me whenever I'm in those situations I'm, I call on I call on Jesus and ask for help mm-hmm. or uh, just call on God for something I just know I need something greater than myself to get me out of this alive mm-hmm. and uh, so far so good <laughs> I'm that's still awesome. here that's awesome <laughs> gosh so how about was it like after costa rica or like during that whole thing that you was seems like that moment where you kind of came back to really believing and stuff well even even that even after costa rica like that wasn't really my the pivotal the pivotal moment in my life it was i was dating this girl and it was the first girl that ever loved that that ever like truly gave my heart to because i was pretty closed off to to people and because i grew up with a mom that was an alcoholic and didn't really receive a lot of love from her. Felt felt pretty abandoned by her. We're good now. She's back in my life. She's no longer an alcoholic. She loves the Lord. We have a we actually have a relationship now, and she's the best mom. Like I, I just love her to pieces. But at that point in my life, she wasn't in my life, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, she had left for many many years, and I didn't know why. I never heard from her, and so I had just had a really serious abandonment issues and issues like connecting with like females and stuff. So I never really wanted to give my heart to anyone. I never dated. I didn't really want. I was just really independent, isolated. So I finally gave my heart to this girl, went out on a limb, took a risk. You know, we were in this relationship for a couple months, and um, what? long story short, she ended up cheating on me with her ex-boyfriend because she was like, oh, we're just friends. And she's like, is it cool if I go hang out at this house? And I'm like a super non-controlling dude. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, if you and him are like friends, you know, I know you guys are broken up now. Like, I trust you, you know. I don't want to like impinge, like infringe on your friendship. Be like, no, you can't see him. Because if you want to see him, like, you want to see him you know I can't change that desire of your heart mm-hmm. and uh, so I let her I was like yeah go for it and then they ended up making out and she like felt bad about it and told me and I told her that I forgave her because I was like you know I was, I was coming back to my faith at that time I was like you know Jesus forgave me of my sins and we're not we're not like unforgiveness is not a good thing we're not allowed to hold unforgiveness so I was like I forgive you and she was kind of taken aback by that she's like why would you just forgive me after I hurt you I was like you know God forgave me for a lot more so mm-hmm. And she's like, okay, so we kept dating. And then after that, a couple months later, she just, one day, she just said, hey, like, I don't want to be in this relationship anymore. Like, and then that same day, she went back to her ex-boyfriend. And that shattered me, mm-hmm. shattered my soul. And I thought, man, this is the very thing I've been trying to protect myself from. Like, the world sucks. My own mom doesn't love me. This girl said she loved me, but she clearly doesn't. All women are liars. You know, I got really just like... Like, what's the point of life? I just graduated college, and I thought, what's the point of, like, I have all these earthly achievements, but I don't, but no one loves me. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I graduated college, yay me. But mm-hmm. my, what I really wanted was to know that someone loved me enough to, like, not hurt me, you know, intentionally. Mm-hmm. And I just, that wasn't really the case, it was, at least so I thought. And so I was going to commit suicide, and I was going to take a bunch of pills this one night, and I was just like, I'm done with, with earth, you 
know, I've, I've experienced enough. Like, it's probably as good as it's going to get. And I was literally going to take a bunch of pills. And, and uh, I wrote this, I wrote this suicide note. I was just like, wrote it to my family. I was like, sorry, guys. Like, I just, I was done. I just like checked out. Jeez. And then I heard this voice say, Felix, you know, that same voice I heard in Costa Rica say, Felix, mm. don't do it. This isn't going to fix your problems. And I was just like, what? And I was like, I could, I could, like, I knew obviously it was God. I knew it. Mm-hmm. But I was at a, such a dark place where I, like, challenged it. I was like, God, if you're even real, then stop me. Mm-hmm. Stop me somehow. If you're real, if this is really you talking to me, stop me. Mm-hmm. <coughs> but then all of a sudden, I had a vision, like, this clear vision. It's just like everything disappeared. I could see all these faces of people that I've met my entire life from, like, birth up until that point, like thousands, just flashing through my mind. And with each face that I saw, I could feel the amount of love that that person had for me. Mm-hmm. And it was like overwhelming. Like it was genuine. I knew that that's exactly how that particular person felt about me. Because mm-hmm. at this point, I was convinced nobody loved me. And if no one loves me, why do I exist? There's no point. Mm-hmm. And so God was showing me like people do love me. Mm-hmm. And then it switched to like uh, almost like a, a movie screen. And I saw, like, different people in my family and, like, what, what would happen in their lives if I were to take my life. And it would, like, show their life and, like, fast forward and how, like, it created this wave of destruction. I saw, like, my future nieces and nephews and, and like, my mom, like, other, other, other people that, that would be born later in life that the depression that would hit my brother and my sister would affect their kids and their kids' kids because they would have to grow up with parents that, like... Mm. were so depressed because they lost their brother and it just created this ripple of destruction for like multiple generations and I was surprised at that because because what I believe this is oh go ahead sorry what I believe what what was being told to me by by what I believe is a demon the suicide spirit spirit of suicide Mm. it was telling me like you're doing the world a favor Mm. you're like you're you're a burden to people like Mm -hmm. do them a favor check out Make the world a better place. So you literally think that you're helping people because you're being deceived. You wow. are. And I was fully convinced that that's what I was doing. I was helping myself and others. It was just like two for one. Mm-hmm. You know, there's less... People won't be inconvenienced by my existence anymore. One, one less mouth to feed, you know? That mm-hmm. sort of thing. And so I saw this wave of destruction and I was taken aback by it because I was just like, wait, I thought I was doing these people, people a favor. But what I saw and I knew that that's exactly what was going to happen to these people. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that at all. It was creating more despair. And I thought, I don't want to do that to these people. And God asked me, he said, you know, if you still want to do it, you can do it. But just know that this is how it's going to affect these people. Mm-hmm. I thought, there's no way I can do that. There's no way. I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. And then he said, like, I want you to know how much... I love you. And all of a sudden this feeling, I don't even know how to describe it, but like this presence came into, came into like my soul, my spirit, my body overwhelmed me, bro. Like it was better than any drug. It was better than any like orgasm, like anything in this world, like everything in this world is like, can't even be put on the same like category as what I felt in that moment. Pure ecstasy. It was pure love. It was pure joy. And I knew it was like, it was God's presence. Mm. And what he told me, he said, this is just a little bit of, of, of my love for you. Mm-hmm. And I said, this love that, that you're feeling is how I feel about every single person in the entire world. Mm-hmm. And he said, and this love is greater, this love I have for you is greater than if every person in the world were, were to combine their loves 
and like and you were to feel that their love wouldn't even be a drop in a bucket compared to what you're feeling right now and what you're feeling right now is just a drop in the bucket of my love and if you serve me and live for me when you enter into my kingdom you'll experience the fullness of what you're experiencing right now awesome and uh, yeah man so that's that turned my life around because I thought God hated me I thought like uh, so we'll have to take a quick break here because it cuts off at an hour, but we'll be right back to finish up with this story. Sorry to cut you off. Uh, yeah, one hour. All right, we're back here at the next segment. Uh, Felix is going to finish up his uh, story there, so maybe just rehash a little bit where we were at. Um, yeah, so uh, <clears throat> I was just sharing about that moment of... Uh, <clears throat> my heart was broken and I wanted to take my life and uh, God spoke to me and told me not to do it and he showed me what would happen in the lives of the people that I cared about that I thought that I was doing a favor to and, and how this one selfish first and he showed me how selfish it, the act was and uh, and how destructive it would be to the people that actually cared about me and when whenever I saw that vision of how their lives would turn out I didn't want I didn't want that to happen, and because um, I I'm someone I don't like to see other people suffer. I try to help people, and, and if I knew that me doing this would cause increased levels of suffering, I thought, why would I ever do that? How could I? Like knowing that and still doing it would be the most selfish act in the world. Mm-hmm. So then, uh, so then God showed me how much He loved me, and I felt His presence. It's better than anything I've ever felt. I've never felt it like that up until this point in time. And uh, it changed me, you know. It just made me really want to care. I just have such a heart for people that are hurting, you know, mm-hmm. people that are, like, broken. It softened my heart. And, you know, I'm I'm not a religious, like, I go to church and stuff, but it's not about, like, church. It's about just, just loving people, man. Like, mm-hmm. literally loving people. Just taking care of people, taking the time to listen. If you are able to help someone with something that you have, just do it, you know. Not Not expecting anything in return. Like, that's... Literally all that Jesus came to show us, like he's trying to teach people how to love. And, and what's happening in the world today is we're being increasingly divided and we're, we're being programmed to not love. We're being programmed to care about ourselves and no one else but ourselves to like mm-hmm. whatever it takes to reach the top, do it, mm-hmm. you know, and at the expense of others if you have to. And, you know, use others for your own happiness. And it's just the world's backwards. And like really that song, All You Need Is Love, that's... That's really all we need. We don't need money. Like, money is a tool. Mm-hmm. But uh, what people really, really, really are seeking is pure, unadulterated love, you know, with no strings attached. And um, that's what, uh, that's just what God showed me, you know. And even though I did all these things that were not good, I thought that he would just want to throw me straight into hell because I willfully did so many things. He's like, no, that's why I sent my son to die. Because I paid for all those things. And it's not my desire to see people be destroyed. It's my desire to see people come out of those things. And, and to know that there's a better way. Like, you don't have to turn to, to mm. all these things to, like, feel better. Because it never works, you know. Mm. And, uh, you know, I'm not mm. saying, like, everything. Like, I magically became this, whoa, this amazing mm. person. I've been, like, you know, I've struggled a lot. You know, I've been through other heartbreaks. And, you know, just I've been through seasons of deep, dark depression again. And I just had to, like... Be reminded, okay, is although I feel like nothing matters, I feel like giving up again, I can't give up, you know, and even recently I went through, (laughs) 
it's like I went through a situation with this girl I was dating for three years, man, and mm. one day she, she asked me, and she was like, hey, do you mind if I, like, go hang out with someone tonight? And I was just like, and I was, she lived in Pittsburgh, and I live in Indiana, PA. I was like, mm. yeah, sure, babe, doesn't matter. And she's like, what if it's a guy? I'm just like, yeah, sure. She's like, what if it's my ex? And I was just like, whoa. And that's exactly what happened with the first girl where I almost took my life. And I was just like, why is this happening again? Mm-hmm. Like, I literally told this girl knows the story. Like, she mm-hmm. knew how much. Mm-hmm. Like, we we talked about her ex-boyfriend and the fact that I was very uncomfortable with him being in her life. Mm-hmm. And I was very insecure about it. And it was not. Mm-hmm. We'd fight about it regularly. So in my mind, I was just like, why would she ask me that? Like clearly she's not over him you know mm-hmm. and so you know I did what I did the first time it's just like I thought to myself if she really wants to hang out with him I'm yeah, gonna let her gonna do it yeah anyway. like whether she has my like I could say no but in her heart she's still gonna want to mm-hmm. you know so I was just like yeah you know if you want to do it and she's like are you sure you're okay with it and I said yeah you know what you know I wasn't honest because I wasn't okay with it but she didn't need to ask she already knew there's no way that she could not know that I wasn't okay with it there's no way because that's we fought about him all the time so you know she hung out with him and and uh, I FaceTimed her while she was with him and broke up with her mm-hmm. and dude it it devastated me man it mm-hmm. like it took me to a not necessarily back to that place where I was then but it just took me to a very very dark place mm-hmm. where I just thought man I tried again you know opened mm-hmm. up my heart again deeply yeah. deeper than I ever have and here I am again, you know? And so right now I'm single and I'm just kind of like pretty jaded about romantic relationships. I'm not not gonna lie, man. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna lie, because I feel like, okay, like why wouldn't that happen again, you mm-hmm. know? And uh, so maybe, uh, maybe I'm just not called for that. Maybe there's like a super, super special girl that when I meet her, like all these insecurities that I now have that have been kind of reinforced. Mm-hmm. They'll all just melt away magically or something. But, mm-hmm. you know, man, I'm just kind of working through it. You know, I'm turning back to skateboarding, snowboarding, back to God. I'm, like, doing stuff like this, you know, keeping my mind busy, hanging out with people that I know do mm-hmm. care about me. And mm-hmm. So what are some of your um, goals, would you say? Like, uh, what's mm-hmm. keeping, what's, what are you striving for right now? Right now, I'm striving to... I'm teaching my nephew how to snowboard, and I'm teaching him how to play the drums. Mm-hmm. And he's super, super gifted with drums. He's 13. He's my sister's son. Um, he's so gifted. Like, he's excelling ridiculously fast with drums, and he loves snowboarding. Mm-hmm. And so this year, um, this will be his second year snowboarding, and I really want to see, you know, I want to teach him how to go off jumps and kind of just pass the torch, you know, because mm-hmm. I feel like, I've learned all these cool, like, hobbies and things, and now there's, there's this other generation of youth coming up in my family. I have, I have younger nieces and nephews, and I'd love to teach them some instruments and, mm-hmm. and just kind of just pass on anything that I can, and if they like, if, the, if they're interested in the things that, that I'm able to teach and it's able to, like, create a platform for them to succeed later on in life, then I'll feel like I've accomplished something, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, maybe, I'm not saying my nephew's going to become the next Sean White or whatever, but how am I going to know unless I teach him, you know, unless mm-hmm. I expose him to snowboarding and, mm-hmm. you know, maybe he's going to become like the next Joe Saylor, like a really awesome drummer that I grew up with, you know, maybe not, not that I'm teaching him for those things, but mm-hmm. it's just like sowing seeds into the next generation. So 
I just kind of feel like my I've lived my life and uh, I've accomplished a lot of really cool things, and uh, I just want to see other people go further than than I've ever been. So that's kind of my only goal right now. I'm not really trying to achieve financial status or whatever. Right. Just want to see other people experience mm-hmm. the fullness of life and the fullness of their potential. Definitely. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, what's kind of like your favorite? like snowboard slash skateboard like trick or ah yeah definitely a cork seven cork seven yeah yeah i love it it just feels it feels crazy to do and i just love uh just how fast you spin through the air and just every time i do it i'm like in my head i'm like how on earth am i gonna land this like i'm spinning ridiculously through the air Mm-hmm. But then before you know it, you land and you're riding away and you're just like, whoa, you're just so stoked. You're just like, whoa, I can't believe I just landed that. <laughs> so uh, that's like my favorite, like the most fun trick. It scares me every time, but it's fun. Like backflips are fun too, but they're at, they're at the point now where I don't really get like scared by them. It's almost like it's too easy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, they're fun, but I'd say cork sevens, definitely my favorite snowboarding trick. And that you've, that you've landed or yeah. just, like, yeah. anyone's ever landed? That I've landed. Um, man, that anyone's ever landed. Man. I'm really digging Mark Le- Marcus Cleveland's style. Like, he does a lot of flat ground stuff. Like, he does, like, corked tricks flat ground, you know? Oh, wow. He does all these tricks off of knuckles. Or he'll do, like, oh, cork 1080s, okay. like, off of a knuckle. Huh. And so he's really reshaping what snowboarding is. He's really, like... Hmm. I guess reinventing snowboarding and now these riders are doing these like butter butter spins into their takeoffs so they're like do like a buttered 360 before they even go off the ramp and then when they go off the ramp they're doing like another like 1080 and so it's just oh i've seen some of those it's kind of it's it's like rare like only probably a couple people can even right do that sort of thing but they look so smooth right it looks so smooth and now people are like doing corked spins off of rails, you know, mm-hmm. because of Marcus Cleveland. Like, cork 12s off of rails, cork 10s off of rails, like. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, wait, you can cork off of a rail? It's like, yeah, Marcus Cleveland showed us that we can, and he's really pushing the envelope. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like watching him do such interesting tricks on flat ground, it kind of inspires me, because I'm just like, okay, I don't have to send it off of an 80-foot booter to do something really fun and amazing, and the good the good part about doing these tricks on flat ground is that you know you don't get as hurt if you if you crash because you're only like two three feet off the ground mm-hmm. and uh, so I'm looking forward to kind of developing that this year definitely yeah that's awesome should be a, hopefully a good winner too oh uh, hope so and what do you feel like I was kind of actually looking up like what the best thing anyone's ever done on like a skateboard what do you think like I guess it's hard because there's so many there's like creativeness and like yeah. Danny Way's jump like the Great Wall of China yeah there's Bob Bernquist Rodney Mullen but like who would you like who what's your like inspiration or what, what do you think the greatest thing that's ever been landed hmm well I mean my my skateboarding style has changed throughout the years and uh, right now I'm really big into watching people shred on mini ramps there's this little Asian kid I forget what his name is he's on Instagram Mm -hmm. and he's so good he's like 10 or something and he does these like just 
crazy tricks just on, on coping. Mm. You know, like he'll do like a shove it 540 blunt stall to like a 360 out or something. Just crazy stuff. Like nollie 360 blunt to like a, and then he'll come out of that and do another 360 out. It just looks like he's just having fun just spinning and landing and spinning again. And uh, anything that involves spinning, I'm like, I'm into it because I just love to spin. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so mm. yeah, awesome. he's he's a real big big inspiration. Cool, cool. Yeah. Um, and then I guess some like final thoughts. Like, where do you feel um, like that you've like learned through all your sticky situations, and what would you? Um, tell someone who's like also going through some of the stuff that you've went through yeah. I guess you've kind of mentioned it before but yeah. as like a wrap up we'll revamp that maybe honestly I, I would say that uh, that God is with you that God is for you mm-hmm. and he will give you the strength to overcome anything you've been through even when it feels like I'm never gonna get healed from that I'm never gonna get over that mm-hmm. like he like I feel like only only he can really help us fully do that and uh, even if you don't believe, like give him a give him a chance to like to show you that he's good. And uh, you know there are I believe there are bad things that happen, and um, I believe there are evil entities that that, that influence people to do things. And and uh, there's a scripture in, in Ephesians six that says our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It means it's not against people, but it's against principalities and powers and rulers and spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. And you know, for a lot of people, that stretches them to even believe that there's another realm of entities that we can't see. But I believe that's that's fully you know part of the part of the scenario and part of the program. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, for me to even like delve, delve into that, that'd be a whole another podcast about that aspect <laughs> of my life. But okay, yeah, that's a that that's awesome. And um, do you think? Like we're getting closer to world peace at all, or you no. you think there's more of a divide? Yeah, overall? we're def- definitely not. Because there's our like there's news and stuff saying, oh, like New York City hasn't had a shooting this weekend, first time in like so long. But that doesn't really mean anything. You yeah. Know? Overall, yeah. we're still getting right programmed further and further apart. Yeah. Awesome. Um, and then just quickly, like what what I just want to kind of let everyone know what you've done for like Mac Park Skate Park too like you've you've really been like the force behind keeping that I think so many times I probably more than 10 times that that place should have shut down if these people want if what they wanted to do to it so um you know maybe like (coughs) like a few things on that yeah I mean uh once once I learned that Mac Park needed to have insurance money paid every year and I really did my best to hold skate events and to let people know, created flyer, flyers and went to different businesses and asked them if they would put up the flyers for these skate events so that we could, you know, or even if they wanted to donate financially to the cause. Because it was only like 2000 bucks a year, you know, and and uh, the sad part is I, I asked a couple of, <laughs> a couple of churches even in Indiana if they could, if they could help out and... I was shocked at their response, and it really kind of bothered me, some of their responses, because they're just like, well, it's not directly about the gospel, so we're, we're not going to contribute to it. I'm thinking, it's a, it's a non-profit community thing. It's a thing that benefits people. Mm-hmm. The gospel is about people. Like God is about people, and like he's about community, but mm-hmm. it was kind of like, well, it's not part of our church program. 
even though we have millions of dollars, we can't even donate anything to it. I wasn't asking for them to pay the entire thing. Just like, mm-hmm. even if you gave like 50 bucks toward it, like, mm-hmm. it's nothing. But, mm-hmm. you know, but finally I did find a church that was able to, they actually agreed to take over uh, paying for the insurance every year. And so right now it's covered and it's by Mercy Hill Ministries. And the pastor's a really good friend of mine. I went to high school with him. His name is J.P. Price. And uh, he he decided, you know, like they would they would make it part of their their churches. Mm-hmm. Their their goal is to set aside money for the skate park, and mm-hmm. so they've done that. And uh, people in the community have risen up as well to like keep it clean because mm-hmm. cleanliness is also another issue. People spreading trash around and mm-hmm. and uh, graffitiing the park. Sometimes I'd like say, hey, we need a work day because some of the ramps are subpar and. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd make a Facebook thing, and people would show up with their own tools, and mm-hmm. and uh, they would buy like the lumber we would need, and mm-hmm. they would never ask to be compensated for their time or for the supplies that they contributed. They just did it for the sake of the park. Mm-hmm. So it's really like without the community, man, like mm-hmm. it wouldn't be here today. So Definitely. just I believe everyone plays a part. You know, every single person to keep that park alive, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, we hope to expand it and make it bigger and like add more features to it one day. Okay. And uh, so that's definitely something in the future that we'd love to see happen. So how can people that like aren't even into skateboarding, how can they support like the skate park or um, just in general? They can they can donate. You know they can they can write a check made out to the Mac Foundation mm-hmm. and uh, just like in the memo say for the skate park. Okay. Uh, the Mac Foundation they own Mac Park, and uh, just whatever amount and just make sure it's allotted to the to the skate park and. John Mack is a really good guy, really mm-hmm. awesome dude, and he's all about supporting the skate park. He donated the land mm-hmm. and allowed the park to exist there, mm-hmm. and uh, and he wants to make sure that it that it stays. Mm-hmm. And so, like anyone can 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 contribute at any time to help, you know, offset the cost that the church is paying, or or even if we if we ended up having a surplus of money, we could use that, set it aside, so we can make further repairs because a lot of the ramps will need to be. Yeah. Repaired. We got to re- fix some of the coping and mm-hmm. all sorts of things to make sure it stays a safe park for people to ride. Awesome. All that stuff takes money, and you know, it doesn't take a lot. You know, five dollars here, two dollars there, anything. And uh, you know, if you ever see something on Facebook for Max Skate Park, like a work day, mm-hmm. show up, ask how you can help. One time, a mother came. She just brought food for everyone. Mm-hmm. She couldn't really do much to help physically, mm-hmm. but she bought us food and drinks over the summer and that was like it was amazing you know mm-hmm. it was really cool she did that it's awesome and uh yeah that's great um yeah so we'll we'll finish up there and you know you can't I guess the takeaway message for that too is you know you can't have a masterpiece without other people you know you can't you gotta um have have the community so definitely always uh look look to help out the skate park absolutely. too absolutely uh, absolutely this has been uh, Surviving Sticky Situations, and Felix, thanks so much for yeah, doing, taking your man. time to um, share that stuff. I know this will help someone out there and um, continue to grow, so thanks again, and yeah. we'll see you guys next time. Have a good night.